Thank you for listening to the Spectrum Lounge. If you enjoy this podcast, please support us at patreon.com backslash filmfatale underscore NYC. And be sure to subscribe to the Spectrum Lounge. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Fashan, and on this episode, we speak with actor D.B. Woodside, who plays Amenadiel on the Netflix series Lucifer. Take a listen. Well, welcome to the Spectrum Lounge, D.B. Woodside. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining Thank you. Me. Thank you. <laughs> so I screened um the first eight episodes of season five of lucifer i'm a huge lucifer fan i'm late on the train i remember watching the first couple of episodes um you know the first season on fox but then you know my job schedule got really crazy but luckily you know i was able to binge watch i think it was a few months ago i was able to binge watch the first four seasons um on netflix so that was you know because i i had seen you know the save lucifer and you know you guys moving to netflix so i was able to watch first the first four seasons and i'm addicted to the show oh nice oh great great (laughs) um and so yeah so i mean i was waiting we were waiting for season five and I, i saw the first eight episodes um yeah a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, I was just like, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll have to get to episode eight because episode eight was like the game changer to me. I'm, I'm really excited for people to do that episode. But um, basically, um, what can you tell us about season five and about Amenadiel's story arc this season? Um, well, what I can say about season five is I think season five uh, is our best season yet uh, to date. Um and I think it's because, you know, we all came back knowing that it was going to be or supposed to be our our final season. So I think that the writers just um, went to town. I mean, I just think that they dived in and and they figured, OK, if this is going to be our last season, then uh, let's go out with a big bang and, and let's do everything that we've always wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm excited for people to take a, you know, to, to finally get a chance to, to see what we've been working on for the past um, a little less than a year. Um, I'm really okay. excited. And the move to Netflix has been fantastic. I mean, they've been mm. absolutely incredible. Um, and I really, really just like them as a streaming service, um, especially what they do for, you know, us black folk. Um, yeah. And as far as Amenadiel's arc uh, this season, it's a, it's a little tricky because I think what's, um, when Netflix came back and wanted um, uh an additional season, um, one of the arcs that that got changed last minute was a Mena deals. So it's a it's a little it's a little strange because he was. I don't want to uh, blow anything, but he but mm-hmm. he was headed uh, in a certain direction, and then we felt that we wanted to kind of hold that back until the final season. So what oh, I will wow. say is that he he's really trying to find his place um, on earth as a, as a dad, you know, mm-hmm. he's trying to do his best to make sure that his son grows up in a, in a much better world. Um, uh, a, a, a much less corrupt world, uh, than the world that, uh, um, Amenadiel has been a part of, uh, right. the, 
the last few seasons. So I think his, he's really focused on, on being, um, um, for all intents and purposes, a really good dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that story art because number one, I'm always here for positive black dad representation. Um, you and know, even in a, <laughs> yeah, even in a genre show like Lucifer, I, I really appreciate that. And one of the things that I love, some of my favorite scenes from this season have been like, you know, the scenes with you and Dan, um, who's played by Kevin Alejandro, just like just two men talking about fatherhood. Right. And and just being vulnerable enough, like especially on Amanda Dale's side. I mean, this is a man who's I mean, he's an angel. He's like the right hand of God. But it's like, how do I how do I figure out this parenting thing? You know what I mean? Um, and so it's really cool to just see these two men just kind of sharing with each other and just being vulnerable. It's like, you know, you're not always going to be perfect in, in, in parenting. And, um, you know, the thing with Lucifer that I really love is that just overall, one of the major themes of that show is these dysfunctional parent children relationships, right? Like <laughs> Lucifer with his dad, you with your dad, you know, um, um, you know, Maze with her mom and also with Lucifer, who in a way is kind of like her father figure. Um, how do you feel that a menadil is going to try to work to try to avoid these pitfalls of, of being a better parent to Charlie. Well, what they say, right. Is, 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 is the first, the first way I think that you become, I, I have a 10 year old, uh, mm-hmm. um, who's about to turn 45 anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. And, um, right. you know, it's, I feel like, all that we can do is try and um, be compassionate towards our parents, you know, especially if we're if we're adults now. And I think a beautiful thing that happens is when I became a parent, you know, I've always loved my parents. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I, I, I have some great, great parents. My you know, my dad's no longer with us, but um, what a spectacular human being. And um, mm-hmm. and I'm 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 really I've been really blessed that way. Uh, um, that being said, you know, we, we all can find some fault with, with our parents, you know, um, because they're human. Um, but I think the thing that happens when you have your own children, <laughs> all of a sudden you realize that your parents mm-hmm. are, were actually doing the best that they could do with the tools that they were given, you know? And, right. and all of a sudden it, it makes you realize, wow, uh, I thought that they were being really unfair um, about some situation. And now I understand it a lot better now because I'm a parent myself. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, you know, I remember calling up my mom and dad almost every few weeks and apologizing for the kind of kid that I was, <laughs> you know, just, just as I was realizing, wow, this is um, this is hard. This mm-hmm. is hard, um, mm-hmm. and I and I just don't think that 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 you have that you're able to to have that kind of a a perspective until you become a parent yourself, and and in a way it improves your relationship with your own parents. So I think what a deal, you know, what's what what he's lucky uh, the the way in which he's lucky is that. He he has seen the mistakes that his parents have made, and um, and can still love them in spite of those uh, 
mistakes because I think he's realizing now as a parent that it's not an easy job and it's, and it's uh, situational um, and you're just always trying to do the best that, that you can. So I think that he's, you know, one of the things that I've always loved about him uh, as far as the Celestials go He's just as arrogant and as stubborn as Maze, as Lucifer, as Mom, um, as as any other brothers and sisters uh, that that we've seen who who've come down from the Silver City. But the thing about him that makes him unique is his willingness and ability to learn. Mm. He actually um, for for a celestial, he's one of the op- more open minded ones. Um, right. He may come in opinionated and arrogant, um, but he's not uh, um, he's not resistant to change. He's not resistant to to grow. And as the actor playing him, I would have to say this has been one of the one of the more difficult characters that, that I've had to play because because of that. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you were to go from season one to season two to season three, you're seeing a different Amenadiel. It's almost like a different character every season because of his growth. And that's been really challenging uh, to come every season and, and try to figure out, okay, who is this guy this season? You know, because he's, he's, he's just always growing, always open to learn um, and to change, which is something that I actually love. Right. Um, as, a, as a note, the, child, the actor who plays baby Charlie, he is the cutest thing Ever? Is it a boy? Yes. Oh it's a girl. It's a, a girl. Girl. T- twin. Oh. Yes, I know, right? I hope I haven't yeah. ruined it for people. But I know that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've noticed they've done that sometimes where they, they'll use girl babies. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. And um, oh. the twins. Twins. Uh-huh. Uh, that baby is adorable. That that yeah. baby, uh, you know, I got to be careful when they bring that uh-huh. baby on set because it makes me want to have some more babies. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, not following that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say that I actually appreciate that they cast this beautiful chocolatey baby, even though I know the baby is biracial. I understand that, but I do appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate, oh, well, oh. yeah. Yeah, well, I do too. And uh, let me just say that, um, uh, yeah, I think Leslie Ann and I had, uh, had a hand in that uh, just oh. to make sure... Uh, that the baby they were going to cast and bring um, reflected the way that I really look, you know? Oh, um, okay. So, so, you know, I think we just kind of said something as, as they were um, looking for some babies. And mm-hmm. um, I'm just happy that we work somewhere where they are open to that kind of thing, open to listening to us. Um, right. So yeah, that baby, that baby is cute. <laughs> I think it was, was it episode, I'm trying to think if it was six or seven, it was sort of like a three men and a baby sort of scenario where it was you, oh like Amenadiel and Lucifer and Dan who were trying to soothe baby Charlie because he's just not with it. You know what I mean? And so oh, I, yeah. I thought that was so cute. <laughs> yes. that And that episode also, um, that was challenging because uh, that cute baby was crying. Oh, for, oh, for <laughs> real, for real. For real, for real, yeah. So it oh was like God. all of a sudden I started realizing, like, oh wow, like I'm having some PTSD of when uh, when my little girl was a baby, and 
getting up early in the morning and having to get up and not sleeping. And I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, Woo! so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Memories, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so I did want to talk about episode five, which is, I guess you could say more of like an Amenadiel centric episode where it's called, it's the episode is titled Detective Amenadiel. And I actually enjoyed that episode because I was like, yeah, he would make a good detective. So you you basically, um, your character, uh, Amenadiel partners up with Chloe um, to solve this crime. And I thought one of the funniest things was like how the women in those scenes <laughs> were just like so in love with Amenadiel. Um, yeah, that was really so. What was it like shooting, like working so closely with Lauren Germain? Oh, Germain first of all, just, yeah. uh, uh, Lauren is one of my favorite people. Um, it's it's so interesting to me because she is hands down the funniest member of this cast, and wow. I just wonder. Oh yes, and I wonder how many people know that. Um, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, because she plays such the you know she plays the the the, the straight person to uh, Lucifer's kind of craziness, right? Um, but she is legitimately one of the funniest human beings I've ever met in my life. So, Mm. um, so when they paired us up, I was really looking forward to it and, um, uh, (laughs) it did not disappoint. Mm -hmm. Um, we had so much fun and she was such a pleasure to, to work with. And, you know, I can be, I'm, I'm one of those actors, uh, one of those individuals, friends, friends tell me all the time where, I'm, I'm, I'm an intense individual. You know, I can be mm-hmm. intense. Um, right. that's just how I am. I've accepted that about myself and my friends have accepted that about me now too. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's, but it's nice when, um, I can be so affected by someone like, like Lauren, who is so full of light, so full of humor, um, that, um, working with her was just a blessing. I mean, she just, you know, she just has a way to make me laugh. And, and I think she loves to try and kind of get into me and, 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 and get me to laugh. Um, and, and I just so, so appreciate that. But we had such a good time shooting that episode. Um, I think Amenadiel makes a pretty good detective as well. Um, yes. <laughs> so, you know, we shall, we shall see what happens, um, in, in season six, but that episode was a lot of fun to, uh, to do. It was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, uh, and, and uh, a lot of that has to do with Lauren. Um, she's, she's that much fun to be around. Um, and it was great. Um, that episode was just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you also work closely with Tom Ellis, of course, um, who plays Lucifer. And so we know, there's no spoilers here. We know from the trailers that Tom is actually playing dual roles this season. He's playing uh, Michael who is yes. his twin brother. So what was it like seeing that, just kind of seeing Tom taking on this other role or playing opposite him, playing this other role? Because at one point he's Michael pretending to be Lucifer. <laughs> what was that like? It was really trippy. And he did such an amazing job. I mean, he did such an amazing job. And 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 that that's no easy task. I, uh, um, there were times when, when we were on set and so... There he is acting with his acting double. So he's playing, you know, he's playing Lucifer. And then we shoot all his stuff. He has to race out, change, redo his makeup, his hair, run all the way back, and then do the other side, acting opposite the the acting double, now playing Lucifer while, oh while he's playing Michael. He right. was just going back and forth. And um, 
uh, he was great. I know it was exhausting for him. I have a feeling this season was um, his his probably his hardest season in terms of having to flip back and forth, uh, playing two different people uh, essentially. Right. Um, right. But it was it was trippy. You know, it was really trippy. Um, um, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, and we just got a chance to do some stuff. Um, I mean, I, as, as far as a, a, a Menadil, you know, we, we had set up, uh, I think it was last season that a Menadil didn't really like Michael. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so it was nice to kind of go into that this season and we started to see the reasons why. And oh, yeah. <laughs> we're really going to start seeing some things explode on the, um, on the back half of uh, season five. I think they're calling it season five B or something. Yes. Yes. So we need to talk about episode eight. So that's, uh, we got the first eight episodes, um, which is actually, I think it's one of my favorite episodes uh, because number one, that fight scene, well, I know episode eight is actually directed by Kevin Alejandro. Yes. Dan, which was, he did a fantastic job. Um, and so th- there's a lot of revelations that happen in the eighth episode. Like um, your character finds out something about your son, Charlie, no spoilers, yeah. um, which kind of changes, you know, his perceptions or kind of challenges his perceptions. And then of course there's like this great fight scene. I don't want to give too much away, but it was, it was really it was so well choreographed. I was just sort of like, I, I can't tell who the doubles are. Cause usually, you know, when, with fight scenes, you can see who the real person is and when the, you know, stunt double steps in. Um, and I've noticed like this season, you, right. you, it seemed like you did a lot more fight scenes this season. Like, how did you prepare for that episode and just, you know, getting in shape for, you know, for, for this, for this particular season or any season, how do you kind of get yourself fit for these battle scenes or these fight scenes? Well, um, I, you know, I've, I've, I've always been, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of a gym rat, you know, um, um, it's, it's a way that I, I, uh, you know, work out my stress mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, just trying to, you know, just trying to stay in shape, but those, but, uh, those fight scenes, I love, I mean, I absolutely love those fight scenes. I feel like you can learn a lot about a character by the way they fight. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was just, uh, Leslie Ann and I are, are two people who, you know, if there's one thing that every season we, we, uh, keep coming back for, um, pushing, pushing our, our, our lovely writers to do is to, is to put us in more fight scenes. (laughs) Uh, We just, we just love to throw down like that. And, um, and that fight scene in particular, we have an amazing, um, um, uh, stunt choreographer, uh, Vlad, who is fantastic, and uh, with Kevin directing it, who is fantastic, um, we we had a blast. Uh, and I would say that was one of the more, probably one of the most intricate fight scenes, if not the most, that Lucifer ha- has has ever done. I would probably put it on the same level as I still I, I still hear about that fight scene that Tom Welling and I had in season three. And um, Lux, the the bar um, yeah. where I keep killing him and he keeps coming back to life. <laughs> um, and and people really loved that, that 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 like that fight. And and I'm telling people, if you loved that fight and this this fight scene in um, episode eight is going to just knock people on their butt. Um, 
it's a, it's the longest fight scene. It's, it's the most complex fight scene. I think you see a lot of the way, um, uh, Mays fights, Amenadil fights, Lucifer, Michael. And of course there's that, uh, fantastic surprise at the end. Oh my gosh. Uh, to, uh, <laughs> come break up, uh, to come break up the children fighting. Yes. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta tell you, I mean, don't want to say anything, but I mean, this is a character that we've, you know, from the start when I started watching Lucifer, I was, I was always sitting, I was like, okay, I know eventually this specific character has to show up in Lucifer. And I was, I had to admit, I was hoping, I was like, I hope the casting goes a specific way, if you know what I'm saying. I oh, was I like, yeah, oh, I-, I was like, <laughs> exactly. And so to see that, I was like, yes, you guys, yes. Okay, now we're cooking with gas. I love it. So, um, yeah, and that actor is just one of my favorites. And when you think about it, it's like he's perfect for the role, if you think about it. You know, yes, he is. So, so how, did you, how did you feel when you found out that uh, actor X was going to be joining the show? Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Um, okay. Actor X is someone that I have been pushing for two years so really time, oh yes oh mm-hmm. yes um, i believe it i believe um, it and it was i just kept bringing it up mm-hmm. uh i you know i did it in very nice ways uh you know but i would just keep floating floating it because i would hear uh what's the way i should say this i would i would hear other names being floated around and mm-hmm. um those uh those other names let's just say did not um did not uh, match the makeup of the children. And- <laughs> let's, let's keep it 100. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, I mean, you, 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 you did what you did with mom and no one plays mom, could play mom better than Trisha Helfer. She yeah. knocked it out the park, mm-hmm. uh, a dear friend of mine, and she was incredible. Yes. Now, uh, if you're going to be bringing, um, you know, um, uh, individual A uh, mm-hmm. in, then we really got to let's 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 do something here. So now I now I, I will say mm-hmm. that apparently at the same time, there were two other writers in the writer's room that from that side, they were also pushing this individual. So, wow. Um, even though I had been pushing it for about two seasons, these other two writers who, um, Chris, Chris Rafferty and, um, and um, Mike Costa, uh, were, were big fans of this actors. Um, and I think people also finally started thinking about, hey, if we could get these two people back on screen together, because we haven't seen them since a, a um, earlier television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that might be kind of special. And yeah. then um, it was around Emmy time and you know how LA is and all the parties and I'm not really into that scene, but I did go out um, uh, one night to, to a specific party and I saw this person whom I love and uh, I hadn't seen him in about two years and I went right up to him and pitched him and I said, Hey, uh, I'm, I, I, yes. Uh, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to work on this. Uh, I really want this, but you know, I don't want to keep pushing if it's not something that that you want to do. So you need to let me know 
if it, this is something that that you would do, because yeah. if it is, then I'm going to go full force. He told me it was something that he would do. Um, <gasps> so great. then I said, that's all I needed to know. And <laughs> I went back that week and I dropped his name in a big way. I said yeah. he is interested. Um, it was being tossed around, I think, for like a few more days. And and they made the offer. And I'm just excited to have him because people are going to be blown away when they see him on screen. And they're, yeah. when they see what he's doing uh-huh. in, in the back eight, I mean, you've never seen him like this. You have I'm never excited. seen him like this. I'm be- so excited. Yeah, I was actually chatting with Leslie Ann because I'm going to be talking to her a little bit later. And she was just like, he is just the best human being. She was like, I love, she was like, you're going to love the work that he does this season when you see the other eight. And she was just like, he's just, he's just the best person to work with. So I was like, yes. He really is. He yeah. really, really is. And just, but, to, mm-hmm. just to also just, I mean, like I've known that, like I've known this brother for years, man. And yeah. he's just, he's just a good man. He is a good, good man. So um, I think people are going to be, uh, surprised at uh, how funny he can be as well. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, you know, the funny thing is I, I did see the specific actor in a romantic comedy that came out years ago. And I was like, this person needs to be doing more rom-coms because he was very charming. He was very funny. But I think because of, you know, the gravitas of this actor, I don't think people usually think, oh, I'm going to put him in a romantic comedy. But I was like, clearly he can do it. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, but I think it, what you're saying is is so important. It, it like proves a point that a lot of people have been saying. Like, that's why inclusion is so important, right? Because you know, to have someone like you, and then the people on the on the other side with the writers' room advocating for this this actor, um, those things are important. You know what I mean? Because some people are like, well, actors don't really have any power and they don't have any say. But I'm like, mm, I don't know. I think sometimes if you you know, if you have a good relationship with the producers and the writers, sometimes as as you've as you've just shown, is like that can help. Like that's how you open that door for other people to come through. Yes. It's like, listen, it's it's not always gonna be easy. So so I think sometimes like what you know actors saying, you know, well, I don't really have, have that much power, it's like, well, but you never know until you try. Mm. You know? So if you all you can do is is ask, um, be be kind, mm-hmm. and be um, <laughs> persistent. Yeah, you know, um, I think that's all anyone's expecting um, us to do is just keep knocking at that door. Keep knocking at the door. You may not get in that door, but the person who's right behind you may get in that door. So that's why it's important for all of us to kind of keep knocking on those doors uh, until people, you know, I don't, listen, I don't care why they open the door. I don't care if they open the door because they're, because they're annoyed. I don't care if they open the door because they want to do the right thing. I don't care why they open the door, just open the door and let us in the room and we will take it from there. That's all we need. That's all we need. Yeah, I think about that that acceptance speech that Viola Davis gave when she won her Emmy and she said, you know, it's not that actors of color don't have the talent, they just need the opportunity. Yes, they, they just need that chance to just show that they can do, you know, uh, with it. But I'm excited. I can't. I can't wait for people to see. Like I'm telling you, that last shot of episode, I was like screaming at the at the screen. I was like, oh my god, people are not ready for this. But um, 
Yeah, but actually, um, so we're living, so we're we're in these strange times right now because of the pandemic, you know, Hollywood has shut down and then, you know, that, and then also the Black Lives Matter movement and what's been happening and, you know, tracking it online has been, it's sort of like what I call uh, the reckoning of Hollywood, <laughs> where we have had, you know, Black actors and actresses and other Black creatives that have been brave enough to come forward and talk about you know, the racism and the microaggressions that, you know, they have faced on sets, whether it's movie or television, Um, you know, and then, yeah. So, I mean, have you been tracking these stories? And I mean, how do you feel like, I I mean, you've been in the business for a while. Like, how do you kind of feel like, do you feel like these stories are going to change? So when we, when you go, everyone goes back to set, is this just a lightning in the bottle and business as usual? Or do you think that these conversations um, or at least the Black Lives Matter movement and its impact on Hollywood, do you expect that there will be any change, any significant change? I am hopeful. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic, but um, I just kind of feel like as people, we've been here before, right? And um, I'm, I'm happy to see people in the streets. Um, I'm happy to see people demanding um, that we be treated fairly and and then that they allow us um, in these rooms to do what we know we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's up to us to um, keep our foot on the gas. Uh, I've been around a while and uh, you know, I got to say when, when all this stuff started happening, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken about this, uh, here and there, it, it, it really messed me up. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, I don't think I realized as, as most probably as most black men and black women, um, that a lot of us suffer from PTSD, right. Mm-hmm. Um, about kind of having to live a certain way in this country and, um, when I saw all the stuff that was that was happening, it wasn't that it was the first time, and we all know damn well it won't be the last. Right. But it was something about the um, the time, um, and it's just something about. Uh, and please excuse my language, but it's just something about the 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 casualness of this of this motherfucker kneeling on like on that black man's neck. You know, mm-hmm. There, there, there was something so casual, him with his hands in his pocket. You know, there's something about that just went right through me as it went through everyone. Mm -hmm. And it brought up all kinds of things for me that I realized that I hadn't dealt with that I went through. You know, I was the same age um, as all those brothers who for the for the um, uh, Central Park Five. Okay, I'm from New York. So what those brothers went through, uh, we were all around the same age. That shit was real. And, mm-hmm. and um, there are so many of us who have those stories, but we just kind of push them down. And and it's this thing where I like I, it just hit me where I'm tired of surviving. Mm-hmm. I am so tired of having to survive, and I just can't do that anymore. And 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 there was something about what what happened which broke something wide open in me. Where, you know, I have friends who have been approaching me, you know, in the business saying, you know, uh, you know, we didn't know that you felt this way. I said, 
yeah, you did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we did. Because uh, uh, if there's one thing that, that I know about me uh, that people can say, I may be introverted, but I'm not quiet about my opinions. Mm. Um, I, I will let you know, as my I am my father's son, I do not suffer fools. So, yes, uh, I have spent the last 20, 25 years showing up to work, to do my job, to do my job uh, the best way that I know how. Um, but I've had to endure a lot of bullshit from a lot of people in this city who say they are allies. And mm. I find it interesting now because a lot of those people who who all of a sudden are allies were the same casting directors working for these studios and these production companies that used to say, oh, we're looking for someone a little bit more street, more oh. urban, Uh-oh. more, uh, you know, oh, well, we don't see this character as black. Right. Mm-hmm. Just a few years ago yep. that everyone felt comfortable. White people in this business felt comfortable saying we don't see that character as black. Um, I'm old enough and I've been in enough right. stuff where, where, where I've had to sit there and and listen to showrunners trying, you know, crack black jokes to see if I was one of those blacks, like who, who maybe took themselves too seriously oh. as. As, as they might think it, right? Um, when the point is just like, nah, it's got nothing to do with taking myself too seriously. Uh, I'm just not the kind of person that you want to say these black jokes around. I'm here to do a job, not make you comfortable, right? <laughs> you better That's, tell it. <laughs> yes. So, um, and it, it's, it's, I've had to say some things to some friends now who keep calling me up and I'm like, listen, I appreciate the fact that now you want to learn about this, but um, get on Amazon. <laughs> right. Here are some books that <laughs> you can read. Here are yeah. some courses that, hey, it's COVID. Take some Zoom classes on African-American history. Right. Uh, but please stop coming to me um, expecting me to educate you. Right. And I think that's what a lot of us are, are just kind of, are, are done with. So just to bring it all the way back around to fully answer your question, I hope that this change is is lasting. I hope people are serious about this. And the only thing that I would say to my young brothers and sisters is to keep pushing, keep pushing. Do not give them a minute to breathe. Do not give them a minute to rest. We need to keep pushing. Well said. I don't have anything to add. (laughs) No, but but I, I totally agree with you on, you know, this idea of when you say, you know, collective, I've always felt like, yes, African American or Blacks in America suffer from a collective PTSD. And whenever we see a video like that, like George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery, anytime we see things like that, it just brings that back up. But then it's like, we have to deal with that. And then the additional burden of educating white people. And what they don't realize is that the education is can be just as traumatic sometimes. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's, it's a, it, it, cause it's bringing it back. And like, you, like there's so much information out there right now. So many books about, anti-racism so many books about african-american history and yeah i've kind of made it a 
sort of made it sort of like a creed for myself where I was just like, I just, I'm closed for business. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. You know, like I'm just going to be out there, you know, pushing, you know, for black talent in Hollywood. And, you know, this is part of why I do the podcast, but I was just like the whole educating white people, like that portion is over. I don't, I don't do that. Yes. Right. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's, and I love what you said because it's, it's, it's almost like, like talking about it um, to educate people means I have to relive that trauma every single yeah. time that I'm I'm trying to and sometimes it's like it, that's just not good for me right like like I can't keep reliving that that trauma and then go out into the world and have to walk on these predominantly white sets mm-hmm. and and not want to kill people like I, I mean it's <laughs> like I don't think people understand like this is not something this is not a, a, a theoretical conversation. This is not philosophy. This is our lives. Yep. Our lives. Every single time uh, a black man or a black woman gets in a car, we don't know if it's going to be our last moments on earth. Mm. There is something wrong with that. Like... It's like I have friends where who 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 um, get in a car and they're not thinking about anything else except from getting to point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And so many of us are, are are are. I mean, let me speak for myself. I mean, when I when I get in a car and you know, and I'm trying to think, what time of day is it? Where am I going? Um, uh, you know, let, you know. The, all these, all these conversations that 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 we have that white people don't know when you know when we're children. Um, I remember, my, you know, when my dad had the conversation with 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 my brother and I about what to do when a when a police officer pulls us over, where where our hands should be, how we should talk, how we shouldn't move, how we shouldn't all this stuff. Meanwhile, uh, as I'm growing up, and and I'm. If if I was in the car with with uh, somebody that was white and and they got pulled over and they start yelling at the cop, cursing at the cop, and I'm thinking, how do they get away with this? <laughs> like, what is going on? And the cops just sitting there calm, you know. Yep. You <laughs> know what? Doing. What is it? Uh, Paul Mooney says the protection of the complexion, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know why. They act like they don't know why, but we we know it. We know it. Yeah, it's um, it's some t- and it, I just feel like you know, especially for black actors and actresses right now, it's like it's a double whammy. It's like you're dealing with the pandemic and the shutdown of your industry, like your livelihood, and then on top of that, you have to deal with the racism and and seeing these things. So it's it's a lot. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Where well, I'm really excited about season five of Lucifer. I can't wait for everybody. I'm just gonna be on Twitter when it drops on Netflix. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna be following like the hashtags and everything, just seeing like when people go batshit crazy when they see the end of episode eight. So, yeah. Yes, it's gonna be great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you actually for 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 doing everything that that you do. I mean, oh, seriously, I mean, um, it's, uh, I really do, uh, consider it an honor and privilege to, to speak with you. I follow you on, on, on Twitter 
And and your 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 insights are amazing. Um, I just love everything that you say. Thank I really you. do. So thank, thank you. you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs>